Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Hi church. Got a big birthday this week. It's 40 years since I first came to this church. It was the week that I got saved, gave my life to Jesus. 1983 transformed me. Since then, I have got so much to thank God for His goodness and grace. How about you? Who's got some things that you want to thank God for? So if you're new or you're watching online for the first time, this is God's church. You're His people. I'm believing He's got a word that can change your life, your family, your future. So why don't we pray together? Jesus, we come before you. Without you, we're nothing. But we ask with humble hearts that you would breathe upon this word, that you would do what only you can do. You are the source of every miracle. And so God, we humbly give this service these next few moments to you. In Jesus' name, and everyone with a bit of faith and a big warm smile said, Amen. You can take your seats. Turn to Acts chapter 3. Thank you, team. Doing phenomenal. Acts chapter 3, reading from verse 1. It says, One day, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going to the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Peter said, look at us. So the man gave his attention. He thinks, I'm in. He's expecting to get something from them. And Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and leaping and praising God. Here is a lame man. That's how everyone knew him. We don't know his name. They just call him and everybody knows him as the lame man. Don't call him Joseph or Bill or Mark. They call him the lame man. His disability defines who he is. If you ever had a dysfunction, tried to define who you are. By what you don't have, the lame man, the dyslexic man, the bankrupt man, the shamed man, the divorced man, or the Ipswich man. Couldn't even get the words out, see that? 
This is the case with the lame man. Every single day looks the same for him. He wakes up on his mat. Someone comes in, lifts him out of bed, takes him to the toilet, makes his breakfast, feeds him. And every day they carry him and lay him down in the dust outside the magnificent temple at a place called the Gate Beautiful. Can anyone see attention in that? A layman by a gate. You see, when you're lame, you can't go anywhere. But what's a gate? A gate is an entranceway. It takes you into the future. It takes you into possibility and opportunity. But here's a lame man by a beautiful gate. Why was it called beautiful? In the first service, Pastor John said that he was in church, our new building this week, and he said that there were 40 people working away. It's incredible. When you're walking, you can't go into any room because there's someone working. 40 men. Now, the temple was built by 10,000 men. It took 10 years to build. It was built by Herod, who was trying to curry favor with the Jewish people. So he made it extravagant. You imagine this temple. It's taken 10,000 men to build. And Josephus tells us there are 10 gates, 10 entranceways. He also tells us that nine of the gates are plated with silver and gold. You talk about extravagance. Pastor John wanted them in the new building, but Richard Nash said we don't have budget, so we didn't go there. <laughs> gates plated with gold and silver, but they weren't the best ones. Josephus tells us that there is one gate which is so beautiful, it says, it was made of Corinthian bronze and far exceeded in value those plated with silver and set in gold. That's why it's a beautiful gate. Stunning. Josephus also tells us it takes 20 men. Teen Challenge boys. Would have taken 20 of you to open it. What a gate. And here is the lame man at the gate called Beautiful. You know, sometimes when you read a scripture, you've got to see it. Do you see the lame man sitting there? You see, some things are more precious than silver or gold, as the lame man is about to discover. It says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter. I mean, it just doesn't seem fair to the lame man, does it? He lies there all day and every day. Say, what does he do? Same thing every day. He begs for money. Now, that ain't easy. Have you ever tried it? We have to kindly inspire you to give to the church once a week. And some of you look like this. But can you imagine every day from complete strangers, all you do, your job description is ask for money so you can make it. Ask for money so you can make it. 
And every day he's lying in the dust, looking up, asking people for money. Everyone walks past, looking down on the lame man. How do you reckon he felt? Not as good as them. I'm not as worthy as them. I'm not as blessed as them. I'm not as capable as them. I just don't have what it takes to do what they're doing. Have you ever felt like you don't have what it takes? I used to think I was a good footballer growing up. When I was 15, I had two trials, one for Darlington, one for Preston North End. There's a clue there that I didn't have a lot of ability if I'm trying at those kind of clubs. <laughs> and at the end of it, I got taken aside and told, you're just not good enough. Just didn't have what it takes. I remember when we went back to Australia and we were going back to an evening college of 400 people and a Saturday night service with 500 to grow it to 1,000. And I'm, I landed thinking, wow, this is going to be a big job, a challenge. And I got a phone call from the college. They said, oh, as well as running the evening college and the Saturday night service, we wanted to lecture in the day college. It starts next week. It's 10 hours lecturing a week, including three hours lecture with the advanced students on apologetics. I'm thinking, he can't wing it. I can't just make it up. I've never taught this. And I'm stood in a cafe in Gloria Jeans, and my mind just starts to go crazy. My pulse is racing. I'm starting to get stressed. I said to Rich, I just don't think I've got what it takes. Maybe you're feeling like that today. Maybe you're a parent or a single mom or a single dad, and your kids are just going crazy don't know what to do. You're thinking, I don't have what it takes. As Pastor John said financially, I talked to someone this week because the interest rate height on the mortgage, it went from a payment last week of 170 pounds. This week, it's 603. That's not to mention all the bills coming in. And sometimes you look and think, God, I just don't have what it takes. Maybe some of you are doing A-levels or GCSEs and, and, and you're trying to study but it's not going in and you're not sleeping great and you're wondering, do I have what it takes? Or there's an addiction that you've been fighting for so long but you keep stuffing up. You feel, I just don't have what it takes. When the layman saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked at him, as did John. And they said this. So he's lying in front of the temple with ten stunning gates plated with silver and gold. Peter and John look at the lame man. Say, silver and gold, I do not have. We don't have what it takes. And we can see that you don't have what it takes. But it doesn't end there. Because some of us, we stop there. At the level of our ability. At the level of what we can do. But thank God he goes on. He says, silver and gold I do not have. But such as I have, I give thee. 
Silver and gold I don't have. But years later, Peter would write in a book that would become part of the Bible in 1 Peter 1, 18. He says, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You might not have much silver and gold. You may not have what it takes, but thank God there's a man who does have what it takes. And his name is Jesus. And he's more precious and valuable than anything that silver and gold can offer you. Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. You don't have to be limited anymore by what you don't have. That's what he says to a nameless man, but now he introduces a name who does have power and authority, and you no longer have to live with your own restrictions. You step into what he has, and he's got everything that you need. Everything that you need in your life right now, Jesus has. In Proverbs 18, 10, it says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. If you're feeling weak, there's a strong tower that you can run into. In Philippians 2, 9, it says, God has exalted him to the highest place and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. His name is higher. His name is greater than any name that you're facing right now. Any sickness, any disease, any cancer, his name name is higher. <laughs> Romans 10, 13, everyone. Who's everyone? You. You online. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Doesn't matter that you don't have a name. What matters is his name. It doesn't matter that you don't have what it takes. Thank God he has what it takes for your life. So what happens when he's introduced to Jesus? He says, all of a sudden, lame man, never thought he'd get up, never thought he had what it takes. He gets his miracle in May. What does he do in verse 8? He jumped to his feet. I bet he did. And he began to walk. Imagine seeing this on YouTube. In other words, he does what he thought he could never do. He jumped to his feet, began to walk. Then, listen to this, he went with them into the temple. He does what he thought he could never do. And he goes where he thought he could never go. What is it that you thought you could never do? Where is it that you thought you'd never go? Thank God there's a gate called beautiful. And the person that you meet at that gate can cause you to do what you've never done and go where you've never gone. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts. First time in the presence of God. What did he do in there? He says he went walking. I 
and leaping and praising God. I bet he did. Imagine capturing him on CCTV. This guy's going nuts. You know, the rest of the service was a little bit flat, but he is bouncing around. He's walking. He's leaping. He gets everyone's attention, and they start looking at him. I think we know that lad. He, he, I think he's the guy that we kept passing. Week after week, year after year. And here he is, walking and leaping. That word leaping is a really interesting word. Because 700 years before Jesus came, a man by the name of Isaiah prophesied that a day would come when God himself would come and visit his people. And the Jewish people held on to this prophecy and promise. They were desperate to see God come and visit. How did Isaiah say that God would come and visit his people? We read it in Isaiah 35 verse 6. It says, Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer. And here's this guy walking and leaping and the Jewish people in the very temple of God see this guy leaping and they connect the dots. Could this be it? Could this be the moment when God himself has come and visited his people? Leap like a deer. A few years ago, we were living in Australia. Came back to stay with my father and mother-in-law, Joyce and Trevor, over there. And uh, I was having breakfast. Got a beautiful house, and they used to have a tennis court. The tennis court is gone, but the, the mesh walls are still up, and that's pretty much the view. I was eating my crunchy nut cornflakes or whatever. Who likes crunchy nut cornflakes? Got a story, but I don't have time to tell it. I'll tell it real quick. <laughs> I was eating a bowl of crunching at cornflakes and there was a rat in our house and it had burrowed under a pine cupboard under the stairs and so I'm not good with practical things so I called Sharon's dad to come and catch the rat. So he goes in the cupboard, we could see because it had gnawed through and I'm there eating my crunching at cornflakes and Alan goes in and he finds a bit of carpet and he pulls it up and as he pulls the carpet, the rat jumps up and literally landed on my toes. And I feel it scuttle. It's just bad enough. I'm eating my crunchy up. Anyway, Alan, Alan goes in, looks at the carpet, and there's a pile of crunchy nut cornflakes. <laughs> I went back to the box of crunchy nut cornflakes. It has chewed a hole in the bottom, and it's taken it and storing it in the carpet. And I'm eating from the same bowl. Now, I don't know how I got onto that story at all, but it wasn't a good moment. Now, where was I? <laughs> all right, so I was eating my crunching up cornflakes at Trevor's. I actually didn't eat them for 10 years. I've only just got back onto them. But anyway, we're at Trevor's. I'm eating my cornflakes, and dramatic things happen when I eat crunching up cornflakes. And what happened is a, a little tiny deer walks in to the tennis court. It's only little. And it's just beautiful. You know, when you live in Australia, you see kangaroos, but you don't see 
beautiful little Norfolk deers. So I'm eating the corn, but I call the girls, say, oh look, there's a little deer. And it couldn't get out. Just couldn't seem to get out. So I thought, oh dear, yes, thank you Chantel. <laughs> it had no idea. All right, I'll well, just get them all out. And so I decided to go and help the little deer. So I, I walk in to the tennis court. Of course, what happens is it suddenly freaks out. I mean, it gets scared. It, it tries to jump over. Remember, it's only little. And it probably got three quarters of the way up. I was like, wow. But it couldn't get out that way. So here's what it did. It decides to try and run through it. And it literally, bang. And I, you know, I'm thinking, oh, I better back off. I felt really scared. And you could literally see the fear in its eye. See, it thought I'd come to hurt it, but actually I'd come to help it. I wonder whether you've ever felt like a deer, trapped and contained with mesh walls. Fear and anxiety rule your life. Maybe it's an addiction. And you've tried so hard to break out and break free. You've prayed hard, maybe spiritually you're thinking, I've somehow got to, I've just got to pray harder. How many of you tried that? How many have ever been like that? Dear. You know what? I never came into that tennis court to hurt it. I came to help it. That deer didn't have what it takes. Couldn't jump out. Just like the lame man didn't have what it takes. Maybe you know what it's like today to feel like that deer. You feel trapped. You're in a situation where you're desperate to get out. But today in this service, or if you're listening online, I believe Jesus is coming to help you. He's not coming to hurt you. And maybe some of you... You're sitting in church today and listening to a series on miracles in May can be difficult because you need a miracle. Maybe you've needed a miracle for a long time. There's a situation that hasn't shifted. You've prayed and believed. You've tried everything you can, but you're like, God, where are you? You've tried jumping over. You've tried breaking through, but you just got hurt. We say this to you. The enemy will always try to link your limitations to your lack of a miracle. Let me say that again. The enemy will try and always link your limitations to the lack of your miracle. When my mom became a Christian soon after we became Christians. She'd suffered with her back for many years. In one of her many operations, they severed her spinal cord, said she'd never walk again. And, and my mom would always go for prayer in church for many years. She had Benny Hinn lay hands on her. She had Reinhard Bonnke laid hands on her. She had many pastors. She wouldn't give up. She just kept praying. But she didn't see a miracle. And that used to really confuse me. And I remember one time a lady came into her bedroom. I was there prayed for her, and when she wasn't healed, she said, you're not healed because of your lack of faith. Which, by the way, is rubbish theology, but it can hurt people. And some of you know what it is to hear the devil whisper in your ear. 
He'll, he'll always make it about you and what you don't have. Well, you haven't given to miracles in May, so you won't get a miracle. What nonsense. What does miracles and what does finance got to do with miracles? Nothing. But the enemy will try and get in your head. And you start to think, well, maybe I'm not good enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not worthy enough. And he tells you that you don't have what it takes. Here's what I love about that dear story. It illustrates the incredible truth that the deer never had what it takes. It relied completely in someone going in to help it. You know what? Christianity is good news if you feel like you don't have what it takes. In fact, Christianity is the only religion in the world which is good news if you feel like you don't have what it takes. Let me tell you why. Because you don't. You don't have what it takes and you never will. The Bible says we've all sinned and we've all fallen short. Every single one of us. But he's even better news. You don't need to have what it takes. Why? Because central to our faith is the Lord Jesus Christ and he has everything it takes. So we're not going to give you a list of do's. You've got to go on a pilgrimage to Mecca. You've got to do your 10 hours door to door. You will never get that from our church because we know we don't have what it takes. But thank God, Jesus has what it takes. His name is higher. His name is greater. And Peter gets up. It's an unbelievable story. He's with the lame man and everyone's crowded around. That's the guy that got healed. Look at him. He's walking, he's leaping. So many people came around. Peter gets up right there in Solomon's colonnade. Thousands are listening to him. Everyone's hanging on his word to see if they'll get their miracle. And what does Peter open up with? Here's what he says. Why are you looking at me as if by my power or my godliness, I made that man walk. Because that's what we do, don't we? We look to human beings. And Peter says, you're idiots. He didn't say that. But it's not my power. It's not anything about me. It's not my godliness. Then he says this, this is a great sermon. I might try this one day. Acts 3, 14. You disown the holy and righteous one. And ask that a murderer be released to you. Talk about confrontation. You lot chose a murderer instead of God himself. In the very heart of the temple. Then he goes on, you killed the author of life. He does not pull any punches. He's the author of life, but you killed him. It's got nothing to do with what you've done. Because everything changes with the next words. But God... But God, thank God it doesn't matter what you've done. Thank God that it's all about what he has done when he sent his son to the cross. Don't build your life on what you've done. Build your life on what he has done. But God raised him from the dead. And we saw it, which they did. Then he says this, by faith in the name of Jesus. He's the man with the name. 
doesn't matter about your name, he's the man with the name. By faith in Jesus' name, this man who you see and know was made strong. So is it about our faith? It is, but it isn't. Just read the next bit. He said, it is Jesus' name and the faith. Where does faith come from? It comes through him. If you've got faith, let me tell you where you got it from. Him. So is it about you and how good you are? No, every miracle takes faith. But where does faith come from? Him. So where should our eyes be? On him, fixing our eyes upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's what releases miracles. When you get your eyes off your condition and how bad you are and you keep looking to the name of Jesus, keep lifting him up. That's why we sing songs that lift up the name of Jesus. And as the worship team comes, I've obviously moved back from Australia, lived just down the road from the in-laws, Trevor and Joyce. And we live in a beautiful area, and just outside our house are some gorgeous fields. Not the fields, Dave and Christine, but these fields. And Rachel and I will often walk in those fields. John and I run through that field every day, Sharon and Mark will walk. Isn't, it, isn't Norfolk beautiful this time of year? When the sun actually shines, thank you Jesus. Just need the temperature to go up a few degrees. But one of the things that Rachel and I do is that at dusk we'll walk into that field. Why? Because there's a herd of about 80 to 90 wild deer. Just, they just live in those woods just over there on the, that side. And at dusk you'll see them come out. And it's, it's awesome, isn't it, Sharon? And I love to see these deer, but let me tell you what fills my heart with joy. Every now and again, you'll see a deer. One or two of them just loving life. Just in this big open field. And you'll see one of them start to run and leap. Have you ever see, seen a deer leaping in the wild? It's like, oh, it's so awesome. This week I wondered to myself whether that little deer that was trapped in the tennis court got set free. Whether that's one of those deer in that herd of 80 or 90 that just goes running through and leaping thinking I remember the time I was trapped. Isn't that why we worship Jesus so passionately? The question, friend, let me ask you, let me ask you online. Does your life resemble the deer that's trapped inside high walls, fear and anxiety and addiction? Where you're dominated by the fact that you know you don't have what it takes? Or are you living in the open fields? pastures that God intended you to live. You say, Steve, how do you know that God intends me to live there? And how do I get from there to here? Let me tell you one more thing, then we're going to pray. One of the most famous verses in the Bible is John 
chapter 10, verse 10, but I'm going to read John 10, 9 and 10. So stay with me. John 10, verse 9, Jesus said, I am the gate. Not only has he walked into that tennis court, he's actually said, I'm the gate. I'm the way out. You just have to get to know me. If you want to go from being bound to being free, I'm the gate beautiful. He says, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come and go out and find pasture and freedom and green fields and green pastures and still waters. It's through him. There's no other name in heaven or earth by which a man or a woman can be saved. Oh, the thief will come to steal and kill and destroy and pen you in and tell you you're no good and you'll never amount to anything. But I have come that you might have life and life in all of its fullness. But it only comes one way and that way is Jesus. So we're gonna stand together and we are gonna sing an anthem that is gonna become a prophetic declaration over this moment. We're gonna speak the name of Jesus. We're gonna sing the name of Jesus. So come on, if you wanna walk in freedom, if you wanna walk into all God has for you, why don't you sing this song and let's lift up His name. We're gonna open these altars for a moment. If you're in this building and you felt like I just don't have what it takes, I'd like you to step out of your seat and come to this altar. There's something about taking a step of faith with a lame man. It started in his feet and in his ankles. We've got prayer team that would love to pray for you. Maybe you feel like you're in a tennis court. You're surrounded by high walls. Come on, let's believe in Jesus' name that you're going to be set free. He is the gate. He is the way and the truth. So let's speak His name. Come on, you come. We're going to believe for miracles in your life. That's why we're still praying for these people at front. I feel like we should pray for Pastor John. And uh, most of us have no idea what it takes to carry the weight and responsibility of this new building pro- problem. And I'm sure he feels, I don't have what it takes. Financially right now, we don't have what it takes. But we're looking to the one who does. So I would love to pray for John. Trevor, I would like you to come. Richard, would you come as well? And would you stand with him? I don't know if Derek's in here, would you come as well? John, would you just come and stand up here? And if Chantelle is here, she can. If she's not, that's... Yeah, you come, Chantelle. Would you guys just come and stand with, with them? And church, I would love you to stretch out your hands towards Pastor John and Chantelle. They don't have what it takes. We've got to come to Jesus. This is a miracle month. Let's believe that in this service, God is going to release something. So come on, Trevor, you stand. Why don't you lead us in prayer as we pray for this couple? Oh, we come to you in the name of Jesus. You are the miracle worker. And we pray for our dear pastor today, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus, you'll fill him. Fill him with new strength. Fill him with new courage. Fill him with victory in his soul. In the name of Jesus, I pray that he may lift his head high, that he is anointed, 
He is appointed. He is called by you and you whom you anoint and who you call, you provide and you enable to do things thought impossible. And so today in the name of Jesus, we call upon you for our pastor. We pray you'll fill him with your wonderful love. Let him feel your arms of love around him, lifting him this week, Lord. And we speak peace. We speak the name of Jesus over your life, Pastor John. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Yeah, come on, let's thank God for our pastors. Just there's one more, a couple more groups of people, but the first one is this. I want to just pray quietly and respect, respectfully for anyone. And you know what it is to feel like I don't have what it takes. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. And somehow it must be my fault. There's been no miracle. I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. This is between you and God. He sees your heart. Right now, Lord, I pray for all condemnation. All condemnation to go. You are the author and finisher of our faith. We're not the ones who bring miracles, it's only you. So right now we fix our eyes upon you and I can't come against every lie of the enemy that has perforated people's hearts. None of us have what it takes, Lord. And I pray for those that have been going and believing and trusting you for years, even decades. Lord, that you would continue to strengthen them. Continue to empower them to trust your heart even when they don't see your hand moving. So I commit people to you in this room, people watching online. Would you set people free from every lie of the enemy? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There's one more group of people. Perhaps this is the most important group that I'm speaking to. And that's those of you that have never met Jesus. And today, He's walking in to the tennis court of your life. He's here to free you and to help you. You say, how do I get to know this Jesus? It's really easy. You pray a prayer. You admit that you're not good enough. And you ask Him to forgive you of your past. To give you freedom and purpose for your today. And on top of that, He'll give you an eternal home forever and ever in heaven. That's one prayer. It's one decision where He comes into your heart. Maybe you once walked with Him, but if you're really honest, you've kind of drifted away. And today, He still loves you. He's so good and kind. And he still wants to come back into your life. So I'd love to pray for anyone, whether this is the first time or whether you're coming home, this is your moment, friend. He loves you so much. So would you close your eyes? We're not gonna call you forward. We're all gonna pray as one big church family. I'm gonna count to three. When I count to three, if you say, Steve, would you pray for me? And all I want you to do is raise your hand high enough and long enough for me to see it. Then you can put it back down. This is your moment to get right with God. Are you ready all across this room? One, two, three. That's it, just lift up your hand. If you wanna get right with God, lift it up. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you at the back there. Thank you over there. Thank you over here. It's beautiful. Thank you over there. 
Come on, let's all repeat. It's a simple, but it's a powerful prayer. Open your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. To forgive all my sin and failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and live for you. Father, every person that prayed that prayer, that opened their heart, that meant business with you, pray right now you'd come in and flood them. Flood them with your peace. Flood them with your presence. May they never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. Congratulate those people. If you prayed that prayer, you may have put your hands up, you may not have, but you prayed it. And as you leave, there's three things we'd love you to do. Number one, our team are out in the foyer and they're holding Bibles. That's because they've come to meet you. They've come to give it to you. It's a gift. Just say, hey, I prayed that prayer and they would love to give it to you. Secondly, come back to church. It'll help you. Just being around people and worshiping God. And then thirdly, tonight in our 5 p.m. service, we're starting something called the Freedom Course. It's especially for anyone, and you just raised your hand in the last year. And what this course does, it's only seven nights in the 5 p.m. service. It'll help you. You've taken a first step of freedom. It'll help you live free. So I'd really encourage you to sign up for that at the information desk or online. We wanna see you like a deer leaping in green pastures. Is that okay? So one more time, why don't we congratulate all those people. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.